0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Who are you? That's a great question. Or is it great because that's something we ask ourselves a lot these days? In fact, we've probably been asking ourselves that for a long time long time now who are you now you may think I'm kind of cherry picking this out of our text from John but it's a good question and it's one that is asked of John and like we ought to be John is very honest it says that uh, he says he confessed and did not deny but confessed I am not the Christ. That may seem kind of odd for us today, because it's like if someone came up to me and said, uh, who are you? I wouldn't say, I am not the Pope. Like, well, yeah, we know you're not the Pope, you know. Who are you, though? It's like, I, I, I am simply a voice, like John. As a pastor, I am a voice who cries out, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Right? Not necessarily on the same level or caliber as John did. John was the greatest of all prophets. He was the one who had a foot in both the Old and the New Testament. He saw the Christ. He is the, he is the prophet that saw all of the other prophecies fulfilled in Christ. Maybe not completely in his crucifixion, but he saw him. He baptized him. He was part of the whole thing. And so, it's not a bad thing for us to ask ourselves, who are you? People ask us that all the time in various ways, right? Who are you? Who do you think you are? What do you believe, right? They ask these things, and we ask it of ourselves, but more often than not, we answer that question in the wrong way. More often than not, we answer that question according to our own according to our own um, according to our own pleasure and sense of well-being, instead of simply being, instead of simply being. Defined by Christ. More often than not, when we ask ourselves, who are you? We don't necessarily answer in the right way. We complicate things. We complicate things according to our sin. As opposed to just keeping things really, really simple, like John did. Who are you? I'm not the Christ. Okay, who are you? I'm a Christian. It's that simple. I'm a Christian. We need to be simple in our response to this question these days, especially because things seem so complex. Right? I don't know about you, but I I have done my due. I've done my do I've done my best. <laughs> I've done my best to shift my perspective on things, to change certain practices within my life and within my family's life that would keep us focused on what's important. Because it's really easy with all of the technology, smartphones, computers, TVs, I mean, you can even talk to your TV now and it'll change the channel for you, right? It's crazy out there how technology and all these things are out there and how they can draw you in to believe certain things, to have a certain story told to you that appeals to you in not really the best terms, that appeals to you on the most basis, on the most base level, to get you to hear stories far away about how things are so horrible, about how things are just falling apart, about how things just can't get any better, sometimes it can't get any worse. This world is confusing. This world is making things more and more complex according to sin. More and more, you see on TV or on the headlines that this world is confusing even the simplest matters of things that ought to be cut and dry, like male and female. Hearing stories about (sighs) drag queen story hour at libraries, hearing things about um, transgenderism, throughout schools, people being forced to violate their conscience according to what they know is right. You have all kinds of movements out there that would compel us, that would compel us to believe in this lie of homosexuality, of of, transgenderism, about abortion, horrible things. That when things are the most complex, or at least they seem complex, you look out there and you say, how am I supposed to deal with this problem? How am I supposed to talk about it with people? How am I supposed to stand? And in that case, we have to be very straightforward and very and very simple. That we are called to live simply in the vocations that God has granted to us. And sometimes that even falls along the lines of our God-given, and sometimes that falls along the lines of our God-given biology, that men are called to be husbands, and if they're not husbands, then they should uh, take care of people By that I mean, if you're a husband, you also should be called to be a father. But if you can't be a father, be a father to somebody else that needs one. If you're a wife, if you're a mother, live in that vocation. If you're a daughter, or if you're a son, you should live in those callings that God has placed you in and seek those blessings that God grants within those other offices as well. It's very simple. We're just the ones who complicate it. We're the ones who complicate it when we ask, who are you? And we wind up saying, oh, I want to be this. I would rather be that instead of what I am, right? Everything in this world has been turned upside down. Everything. Again, if you don't believe me, Go look at the news. Everything has been turned upside down. And we push back against God's created order and his intention for men and for and for and for for men and for women. We are made uniquely. We are unique. But unfortunately, most of the time, it's not in the way that we would like to be, right? I'd like to be famous. I'd like to be rich sometimes. But that's not what I'm granted where I am. And eventually, instead of being what we're supposed to be, we wind up being like the priests and the Levites who come and ask John these questions. Who are you? Who do you think you are? That when it comes to someone who is preaching God's word to them, the clear and simple truth, sometimes we bristle so much because the truth is just, too hurtful, is just too harsh, even if it's spoken in the most kindest way. Sometimes we bristle so hard that we say, who do you think you are, pastor? Who do you think you are, mom or dad? to Tell me who I ought to be, Right? This is what we should fight against. Who we are according to our own fleshly passions. And you may be wondering where I'm going with this, right? How did I get here from just that simple question of who are you? And how John gives his answer. I got here because in his response to them, of who are you? He says, I am a voice, and there is one who is among you that you don't even know. There is one who stands among you, the Christ, that you're supposedly looking for, that you're supposedly trying to find out where he is. He stands among you and you don't even know who he is. That in that instance, we can be so blind. We can be so blind to God, so blind to Christ and who He is and what His purposes are for our lives, that we lose sight. We're not necessarily blind in that we can't see anything, but that whatever we do see, whatever we have set our sight on, is nothing but darkness. Think about that one. That in that instance, we are blind because we're not focusing on Christ and what he wants. We're not focusing on Christ and his will for us. That as Christians, when we ask ourselves, who are you? We should should answer, Who am I according to Christ? I am nothing without Christ. I am nothing without him. That as John, we should say, I must decrease so that he should increase. That in that sense, we ought to seek to be very, very, We ought to seek to be um, we ought to seek to be mature in our calling, in what the gospel and what God's Word is trying to say. That we go out into this world and we're asked this question, who are you? And our response is going to be baffling. Our response is not always going to be met with, wow, good for you. Sometimes the harshest thing to hear is nothing at all. For someone to just give you a strange look and then just walk away. But that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to say. So we have to be mindful, we have to be aware that God has placed us within our lives in a certain place, He has granted to us certain gifts and also certain crosses that we should bear, that in the midst of those crosses we give Him thanks that we use those crosses or we see those crosses for what they are, for us to refocus on what Christ has done, for us to look and see who he is and who we are because of what he has done. Oftentimes, this is really hard Because we would like to maintain something that seems like stability in this world rather than let the promises of God free us in every possible way that God intends. And what I mean by that is that if you look at John and you see his response to these things, that he is nothing. He who comes after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to lose that i must decrease so that he so that he must increase that we don't want to do this we would like to be friends with this world we would like to not go through the trials we would like to not bear those crosses that god has given to us and this is because We don't trust God. It's because we question him about everything at every turn. It's because we become those who say to those who would call us to repentance. Who do you think you are? Yet... We are called to be that voice who cries out. Very generally, we are called to be a lot of different voices who cry out and who proclaim that word who was made flesh so that he should be crucified and shed his blood for you and for all those that hear that word. That our worth lies in Christ. And that just like with John the Baptist, the world will not understand you because your worth is not in what they put their stake in. Your worth is not of this world. And in this sense, we should be unapologetic about proclaiming that word, that It seems like John is kind of harsh at times, right? And for us to be just like him in every instance may not be the best thing for any given circumstance, right? Sometimes a soft word is better than one that is harsh. So while we may not be like John in every respect in sharing that word with other people, and it's okay to be... I don't know, a bit more tactful in some instances, not calling people a brood of of snakes, right? Not saying, who told you to flee from the wrath that is to come? Repent, right? It's okay not to have that harsh tone all the time, but at least learn this from John. Let the word of God stand. Let it stand. Let Christ stand. And it's funny to even say that. Let him stand as if you have any say in it to begin with. Don't hinder the word, right? Don't hinder that proclamation. And what exactly does all this have to do with Advent? <laughs> you may be wondering to yourself, you know, we've gone a couple Sundays now where it's been some pretty harsh texts in some, in some sense, Right? And this question is perfect for this last Sunday in the Advent season because we're preparing for Christmas, right? But it's interesting because the entire world acts as if Christmas has already kind of been here. We're kind of in the middle of it all right now. And then as soon as Christmas comes, it's all over and we take everything and put it away, right? That for us as Christians, Christmas means something completely different. Right? That it's a preparation not just to not just to celebrate the birth of Christ, but to remember who we are in Christ. That this last Sunday for the Advent season is a very interesting one given the changing tides of the world. That when these texts were chosen. Who knows how long ago? I mean, that's debatable. You know, back in like the early hundreds, it was at least before 1000 AD or so. We've had a lot of these texts kind of set in these days for a long time. And yet this is very pertinent for us today because Christmas is a temptation to make it something that it's not supposed to be that oftentimes we're tempted to make christmas all about family or nostalgia watching christmas movies singing christmas carols which is fine it's all fine but we do all these things hoping that things will be absolutely perfect or that you know the kids will absolutely be on their best behavior right Or that our family members at Christmas won't say anything that will start a fight, right? That we get so caught up in the things that we would like to see about Christmas and not actually see Christmas for what it's really about. That the word was made flesh in Christ. That oftentimes we forget that there is one among you that you don't even know, as John says. If there is one who stands among you, you have no idea who he is. And if you want to talk about disappointing Christmases, imagine what the first Christmas was like. We have all these beautiful paintings and pictures of what it was like to see Jesus in the manger. Um, I'm pretty sure it didn't smell great, right? It didn't probably seem all that great if a king were to walk in that little scene and say what's, what's all the fuss about right that to the world that first Christmas was a huge disappointment huge disappointment because it doesn't understand the humility that Christ took on to himself it doesn't understand what Christ came to do That he came to live a humble life and not to conquer in the way that we think that he ought, but to conquer by dying. That he came so that you would have comfort in the fact that he stands among you. That he took on your flesh, that he has saved you in both body and soul by his blood shed for you on the cross, that you would take comfort, that he is even now standing in, in your midst, that he is here and he stands among you and he feeds you with his body and his blood, that he strengthens you. That he gives you that gospel promise of salvation, not just through words, but still by deeds. By coming in humility, in things that seem very simple, like bread and wine. In things that seem very basic, like water and a couple words. But through these very humble means, he still serves you. He still grants you that grace, that salvation, that forgiveness, that comfort, that peace, and that joy that no one can snatch away. So who are you? You are the beloved child of God. You are one for whom Christ has died. And the world won't won't understand this. But that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Because Christ has come. He has saved you. And this grants us all that peace that surpasses all understanding and that will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.